it is indeed so precious to be able to come into your presence and indeed this morning our prayer is that you do plant us plant our feet on higher ground thank you that not only have you come to save us but you have prepared something even higher for us so we pray that we will not be satisfied even with where we are but we will look to you that we may attain to what you have prepared for us so we pray this morning that even with the time change and everything that you would quicken our bodies so that not only our hearts ready not only that our ears are open but most importantly that we would hear from you so may the Holy Spirit speak to us and lead us this morning we pray this in Jesus precious Amen morning once again and uh, before we begin uh, maybe we can read a few passages together Uh, the first passage is from the book of Romans chapter 8 Romans chapter 8 starting from verse 29 Romans 8 29 for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. The second passage is in the book of Revelations, Revelations chapter 20, and we'll just read verse 4. Revelations 20, verse 4, And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. And then the third passage is in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4. Hebrews 4, verse 2. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, 
not being mixed with faith in those who have heard it. And finally, uh, one more passage in the book of Numbers. In Numbers 14, verse 24. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. 因他有，因他另另有一个心智专一跟从我，我就把他领进他所去过的去过的那去过的那地，他的后裔也必得那那地为业。So as we know, uh, sonship has been our theme for quite some time now.那我们知道儿子的名分是我们呃过去这段时间的这个主题。And many brothers have shared from various aspects of it. And of course, when we talk about uh, entering into sonship, we know it's talking about, it's in reference to us growing and maturing as Christians. I always wonder, you know, for, for, for those that may not be familiar with this term sonship, like if you imagine you're hearing it for the first time, it can be somewhat confusing. Is it talking about like, you know, like gender? Like what is sonship? So, you know, of course, this all makes a lot more sense if you understand it from the context of the Jewish custom. I think we have heard you know, a little bit of this before so I won't elaborate too much but I do want to just make it clear. So in the Jewish custom uh, the Hebrew notion of a son this is talking about the son who will take over the family after the father stepped down. And oftentimes it is the firstborn, but it's not always the case as in Jacob. So this is not something that you bestow at childhood. But sonship is declared when the father deems the son ready to take on the business of the family. But once it is declared, the son is considered um, basically equal to the image of the father. So in the in the family business matters, it's he is equal to the father. Or in other words, if you have a business dealing with, with, with him, it is the same as it's the business dealing with the father. Because the son becomes the official representation of the father. 
And so, of course, when the Bible uses that term sonship, it is also in that same context. Because our Heavenly Father is also looking for those his children to be mature and ready to take on his business. Yes, we are all children of God. But his desire is for us to enter into sonship. That we may also reflect the character of the Father. So you see, that's why it doesn't really matter. It's it's not just speaking to the brothers. This is actually applicable to both brothers and sisters. Now we know that the Lord Jesus is the Son whom the Father is most well pleased. And he fully reflects that character of the Father. Um, he is the firstborn among many brethren. And the, and the good news is he's also bringing many sons into glory. And um, as we enter into sonship, as we mature, in Ephesians uh, 4, the Bible describes it as reaching to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Which is why we read earlier in Romans 8, it talks about us being conformed to the image of His Son. And now I believe we are somewhat familiar with this. But today, I want us to um, fellowship a little bit on why sonship is important to God. And we've been talking about sonship, but why is it so important? Why not just give us eternal life? Isn't that great already? What does God desire in sonship? And what does God desire um, um what what does God desire from us through sonship? But maybe even beyond that, I think the Lord has placed in my heart the burden to take this to a very practical level. It's almost like the what's the real life application of sonship? Because when we talk about sonship, is it just a concept? Or is it something that is affecting how we live, how we make decisions every day? At school, at work, or even in your family? Is it actually, is sonship actually directing how we live every day? So let's look at why sonship is important. Now we know that our God is the God of purpose. And he has a purpose for mankind since creation. Um, his purpose for us has never changed, even after we fell into sin. Of course, with, with sin, however, as, as, as sin was, came into this world, 
um, he needed to bring us salvation. Because without salvation, we can never enter into what God has fully prepared for us. And that's the part that we know really well, which is the story of our salvation, how Christ came to save us. Even that's the story we heard from uh, as Brother Mayun reminded us this morning. But if we go back to creation, you actually get a glimpse into what but what was that purpose of God creating men? And maybe we can take a quick look back in uh, the book of Genesis. We'll just take a look at one verse, uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Here it says that, Then God said, Let us make men in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So here you see it talks about that let them have dominion. So we find that in the beginning, in God's creation, his purpose was for men to have dominion over his creation. Of course we kind of lost that ability as we fell into sin. I still remember vividly how uh, Brother Christian used to describe this. Uh, you know, he, he, when he talked about this, he, he, he always talks about how you know, mankind is, is like the commander of the army, the navy, and the air force, meaning that the animals, the fish, and the birds. And he said, you know, but after after sin came, you know, we're even now persecuted by a little mosquito. So we see that, um, you know, dominion, however, right, if you go back to the original creation, that's the purpose that God has for mankind. It's, it's if you go to the end of the Bible in Revelations, you also see the same purpose described at the very end. We just read from Revelations 20 where it's talking about reigning with Christ for a thousand years. But whether you look at 20 verse uh, chapter 20, 21 or 22 of Revelations, it, it, the whole thing is about reigning with Christ. So from Genesis to Revelation, from creation to eternity, it has always been God's purpose for us to reign with Him. That is His desire for us all along. We see that's why God is looking for us to enter into sonship. Because in the, back in the times when they had kings, still, you know, in those old days. So you know, a, a young child cannot really be the, uh, on the throne. 
那这个年轻的这个年幼的这个王他没有办法做很好的决定 So likewise, even though God's desire is for us to reign with him 那同样的,这个神虽然他的渴望是希望我们能够与他做王 But it is only possible when we're mature 那只有我们成熟之后，我们才能够做王。That we have grown to that measure of the fullness of Christ。我们能够到基督丰满的那个地位，我们长成的身量，我们才行。And just as how Christ endured the cross，那这个呃基督他也经历了这个十字架。And overcame Satan, sin, and death。那他胜过撒旦、死亡的权势。We remember how, for instance, you know, in the book of um, uh, Titus, it talks about if if we uh, endure, we will also reign with him. 那我们在提多书也看到说，如果我们有忍耐的话，我们就能够与他一同做王。Or uh, as he was talking to uh, the, the church of Laodicea，我们也看到老底嘉教会。That those who overcome, those I will grant the right to be at my throne。那些得胜者，我要给他们这个权利，能坐在宝座上。So, but let's go even one step further。那我们更进一步的去看。Let's ask, why does God want us to reign with Him? Like what, what does God desire for us to reign with Him? I think Paul actually gave us the answer in First uh, Thessalonians chapter two. I'll just read the verse to you, but it, it said that uh, that you would walk worthy of God, who calls you into His own kingdom. And glory. First of things, uh, first Thessalonians chapter two, verse twelve. Not Thessalonians chapter two, verse yes, dear John, fourteen. Fourteen.要叫你，要叫你们行事对得起那招你们进他国得他荣耀的神. So you see, we're not just called into His kingdom. But also we are called into His glory. And if you think about it, it is a glorious position for us to be able to reign with Him. And uh, especially even if you remember Dana shared with us last time. Again, if you look into uh, the New Jerusalem in the book of Revelation, that is especially true. It talks about the new Jerusalem being illuminated in His glory. And that in that light that we reign together with Him. And there's something that I find amazing. You know, of course the Lord is full of glory. And that shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. Because God is glory. And you think of Moses' experience, how you know he was in the cleft of the rock and the glory of the Lord passed by. And I also think of you know even how in the book of Daniel. Um, you know, Daniel saw the vision of how the Son of God was reigning. So 
But what is amazing is how, in that glory, God desires to share that with us. I always find it amazing, like in uh, in Daniel seven, where it describes that glorious reign that God has. That it, it after that, it actually talks about and how He is giving that to His people and to His saints. 那我觉得很惊奇的就是每次我想到戴尔的书第七章的时候他讲到说是做王掌权是何等的荣耀但是神愿意把这件事情分享给他的百姓但是我们是与他为敌的但是神愿意把这件事情分享给他的百姓但是
这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个这个
那他实在是让我们能够更懂得去欣赏与他一同作王是如何。And that in response that we truly have a desire to want to enter into sonship。那么回应的时候是希望我们能够有这个渴望能够进入能够得罪儿子的名分。So as I meditated before the Lord, he pointed me to a story that we are probably quite familiar and it is the story of Caleb in the Old Testament。Because actually there are a lot of similarities that you will find。So I would just kind of for the sake of time summarize a little bit and tell you the story。So we know Caleb, he's most well known from the conquest of Canaan。那我们知道这个加勒他最有名就是他能够征服这个加南地 And if you look through the scripture, you find that he's only actually mentioned a handful of times 那你如果仔细读圣经的话,他是被提到几次 Namely, in two main portions, one is in the book of Numbers 那就特别是在两个地方,就是一个在民宿记 Where they were spying the land 那他们在探查这个地的时候 And then the other was in the book of Joshua, when they were dividing the land so who is Caleb? Well, so he, if you back calculate, he actually was born in Egypt. And he's from the tribe of Judah. When they left Egypt during Exodus, he was, if you again back calculate, he's around 38, 39 years old. And he's considered one of the leaders of the tribe. So, you know, of course, let's kind of fast forward to, you know, how they were spying the land. So if you remember, the, the children of Israel, they exited um, Egypt. And apparently it's around 5,000 miles. And they finally arrived to the entrance of um, of Canaan. Um, and so, you know, God asked Moses to send twelve spies. to check out the land. And of course, Caleb and Joshua were among the twelve. And after they came back 40 days later, they, you know, reported, yeah, this land is flowing with milk and honey. But 10 of the spies gave a bad report. Because they felt they were not able to take it. large cities. With missiles and tanks. That's how they felt. Um, they thought they were grasshoppers. And so they said, you know, we cannot do it. But Caleb and Joshua were the only two that reported positively. In fact, the Bible specifically said Caleb was the one who said, let's go, take it right now. What are we waiting for? Um, he said, you know, these are, they are our bread. God is with us and he will give this land to us. But of course the people didn't listen. And what we know, what, in fact they wanted to stone uh, Joshua and Caleb. 
那神就把审判就带领到这些百姓身上。那神就把审判就带领到这些百姓身上。那神就把审判就带领到这些百姓身上。那神就把审判就带领到这些百姓身上。那神就把审判就带领到这些百姓身上。那神就把审判就带领到
of Caleb the son of Kephaniah, the Kenzanite to this day because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. So, now, you may say, how does this all relate to reigning with Christ? Hopefully you start seeing a little bit of the parallel. Because from Caleb's word, you can see that uh, Caleb clearly knew of the promise of God. That God, God promised them the land flowing of milk and honey. But have you ever wondered if you were Joshua? So put yourself in Joshua's shoe. Uh, sorry, Caleb's shoe. What would you be thinking when you hear that promise? Because if you if you go back to like Exodus three when God first mentioned this to Moses. There wasn't a whole lot of details either. God just said to a good and large land. And that it's the land flowing with milk and honey. So I wonder if, you know, like us, Caleb also had some questions in his head. Um, you know, like 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 how we wondered about what it means to reign with Christ. Now he may be thinking with good, so you know, how good really are we talking about? What's a large land? Is it enough for all these people? And how does you know what 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 does it mean to you know flowing with milk and honey? Does it mean that there's like a river of milk and you know a, a, a lake of honey? So you know, it, it, they can it, they can be quite easily skeptical about this. I mean, if you even just listen to it, it's like, what does that mean? And that was exactly the case for the ten spies and the the the, the people of Israel. The attitude was more like, you know, I'll see it when I believe it. I'll believe it when I see it. Now, um, you know, until God show me exactly, I'm just gonna. Beyond the sidelines. So we read from Hebrews 4 earlier, 4, uh, 4 2 earlier. It tells us exactly why they reacted that way. Because it, it talks about how they have not mixed in faith. And, um, you know, if you think about the 10 spies, right, or even the children of Israel, do they understand the facts? So as they stood at the entrance of the land, you know, do you think that they understood that this land is real? Or when the ten spies was in the land, do you think they understood that it is really a land flowing with milk and honey. Remember they brought back fruit, right? When they saw the fruit, do you think that they understood that, you know, this is really an abundant land? Well, they most certainly did, because they were right there. Do, they, do you think that they even desired to enter the land? I think they did too. 
But why didn't they then? Well, because they had no faith. I mean, let's do a quick, quick uh, compare, compare and contrast between Caleb and the, the other spies. You know, the spies, they, they were in there, they saw it with their eyes. And yet, there is no faith. And Caleb, you can tell that even before he saw the land, he already was like, I'm ready to take this. That's why he said, that's why we were in for it. Let's go in and take it. He completely skipped over the fact that there might be some enemies there. And it's like, oh, I already got it. And that's like the textbook description in, in Hebrews uh, 11 talking about what faith is. It's like the evidence of things not seen. So we see what we need is not more understanding of what it means to reign with Christ. But the question is, but are, are we applying and do we have faith to believe in this matter of reigning with Christ? Both in its reality and its importance. Because God has already told us that He desires for us to reign with Him and to share in His glory. If you think about the spies, they had glimpses of the land, because I mean they were not walking through the whole land, they just saw parts of it. Now, but that was but but you know, in our in our case too, we also see glimpses of what it means to reign with Christ. But you see, in Caleb's example, glimpses are sufficient for faith. I mean, we see glimpses of how Christ reigns in our personal life. That that you know, in moments where it's like you know we're completely helpless, he took control. Or in the matters of the church, you know how we can find and do spiritually. So you know, again, I, I was one of those that were waiting for God to show me what it means to reign with Christ. I thought the ball was in the Lord's courts. While the truth is the ball has always been in my court. I felt that the Lord is saying to me, I'm the one who's waiting when are you when are you finally really gonna believe? So the, the simple and profound question for us today is do we really believe in reigning with Christ? And if, and if, if not, have we asked the Lord for faith? Because if we truly believe 
that we are to reign with Christ. The first thing we should notice is that there also is a desire. Do we have the desire to reign with Christ? A desire that becomes our pursuit. It's a pursuit in life. You know, again, if you look at Caleb versus the other spies, that's the other difference that you notice. The God said that they actually, because of their unbelief, they actually despise the land. Versus, if you look at Caleb, you can clearly see that he has a longing for taking possession of the land. Then you can see from his words that this is his pursuit. This is what is in, in the driving force in his heart all these years. Not just in the initial you know, time journey to, to, to Canaan from Egypt. But even for the 40 years later in the wilderness, that was his driving force through that 40 years. That's why you read when he was 85, that he said, I'm just as ready right now as it was 40 years ago. I have always been ready. But I think we can go even further than that. Because faith is more than having an understanding and even more than having a desire. Because faith takes action based on that understanding and that desire. Just like it says in James chapter 2, faith without work is dead. So it is not just talk. But do our lives actually reflect that faith? Does the desire to reign with Christ permeate through every aspect of our life? And I'll say, you know, I, I personally struggle with this too, because it gets real very fast. Because for that to be true, it means whether you're looking at big decisions or small decisions, daily life decisions. Anything from what job you take, where you actually live. Maybe what school you go to. It's very practical. But do all these things that we do, does it have that driving force permeate through it? Because you see, Caleb made it really real. He put his life on the line by saying, let's go fight the enemy. It's not just, you know, hey, let's just 
you know, do something easy. No, like this is real. And, and of course these enemies are not just regular enemies, these are giants. And so that requires real faith. But now if you go even further, you notice that in the Bible, as we read from uh, Numbers 14 earlier, that's a very unique description of Caleb. That multiple times, God says that Caleb is special. Because he has a uh, he has a different spirit in him. Now if you read and, and even in the passage that we just read in uh, Joshua, you saw the same phrase repeated three, four times already. That God said he, because he has followed me fully. Or wholly followed. So the Lord showed me that through this. When it comes to the pursuit of reigning with Christ. There are no two ways of living in our daily lives. Is that if you're serious about it? Or you're not. There is no such thing that I'm a little bit serious about it. Just like salvation. I mean, there's no such thing. It's either you're safe or you're not. There's no such thing as I'm a little bit safe. And I believe, I, I, I feel that the Lord has been challenging me. But I feel like maybe the Lord is challenging us all together. That have we made up our mind? That which way is it? Are we serious about the pursuit of sonship, entering into sonship, being mature? Or are we somehow content with just being the little bit? And that's why I think this matter of following fully is a question that I think that, that the Lord is asking each of us. Are, are we just dabbling and putting our toes in the water? Are we halfway in the water in our waist? Or are we jumping in, in the deep end? I think of um, uh, Psalm 86. Where the prayer talks about give me an undivided heart. That that really is something that we need from the Lord. At the same time, to follow Him fully, though, I think we also need to be ready for the ramification of what it means to the world. Because 
Because we have to be ready to be misunderstood, basically. Because I mean, look at Caleb, right? When he took the stand that he took, they were ready to stone him. Because when we decided that this is the way that we're going to live, because this is real, this is what is the pursuit of our hearts, the world won't understand. They think you're crazy. What a loss. What what a mistake. You're wasting your life away. And sometimes you may even hear that from Christians. Maybe even the the world will mock us. But maybe we need to be okay with that. Like, well, that's that's what's real to you. This is what's real to me. And I believe that, and this is how I'm going to live. Think about Noah. I mean, can you imagine that he was building the ark? What were the people saying to him? He's like, you're crazy. What are you doing? Right, but a good thing that Noah probably agreed to disagree. But you go eat and drink and all you want, I will build my ark. Um, why more thing I would say about this matter of falling fully? is that there's a time window also because if you look at what happened um, to the children of Israel in Caleb's example right they originally all thought that what Caleb you know position and what he believed was just craziest but after God's judgment, they all try to go back. They want to go back in time. But, but, but it was too late. So it's as if this matter of following him fully, this decision, it, there is a time to that too. Now, before we, we wrap up here, I just want to also point out a few practical aspects of what does it look like to reign with for someone to be desiring to reign with Christ. Now only lightly touch on it because of time. But but I do think that Caleb provided a few great uh, lessons and principles for us. The first aspect is setting your minds on things above. Because if you look at Caleb's testimony, even though he spent 40 years in the wilderness, you can tell that there is not a single day in the 40 years where he was not thinking about looking forward to taking possession of the land. So while his body was in the wilderness, his, his mind was in Canaan. 
And he was thinking, you can tell he was thinking about Hebron all 40 years. Because that's where he has been, you know, when he spied out the land. But it reminds me of Colossians 3 too, where it talks about set your mind on things about and not the things of this earth. Because if it's very hard to pursue sonship if our mind and our energy were all focused on thinking about the things of this earth. And when we tend to imagine our future. You know, how our lives would be. But have you ever actually imagined the future in terms of how we would ring with Christ? And, and, and we often have expectations of the future. It's like, oh, I want to live this way, I want to live this, do that. But do we have expectations of reigning with Christ? Uh, the second aspect uh, that that points to you know how Cain's example of what it looks like for someone to be um, you know desiring and to enter into sonship and reigning. Is that there is a preparation and readiness. So you know Caleb when he went and took the land he was in the eighties. But as you as you read, I mean, he was like, I'm as strong as now as when I was, you know, when I was 40 years ago. And I was as ready as 40 years ago. I mean, when was the last time you saw like an 80 something year old as like, you know, buff and everything, you know, going to the gym like a 30 year old? Well, apparently Caleb was. And it reminds me of, um, you know, in Ephesians t- telling us that but we need to redeem our time. Because Caleb was ready any day in the 40 years. It's like, just tell me now I'm ready to go. Are we ready any moment now? Because the Lord is very patient with us. But are we, are we preparing ourselves? Are we studying His Word? Are we learning His voice? The last uh, aspect that I would point out from Caleb's example is he would, uh, 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 it's how he would not allow anything to stand in the way. Um, if there were anything that were going to stop him from taking possession of the land, he would just take them out. It doesn't matter whether it's the giants. It doesn't matter whether it's the wilderness or even 40 years. And I'm reminded of uh, in Hebrews 12, it talks about let us lay aside every weight and the sin so easily ensnares us. So, I mean, Ellen and I are in the process of moving, moving to uh, Queens. And as we were packing, 
那我们都没有用这些东西，我们为什么还有呢？So you know we needed to let go of all that junk, otherwise it's it's you know Queens is a lot smaller than you know what are some of the things that we're carrying that is weighing us down? Are there things that you know that are in your life right now that are hindering your growth? Are there good things of this world that's actually holding you back? So again, in conclusion, Francis, we have been talking about this matter of sonship for more, almost a year and a half. If you are to look back in the over year and a half, how have we grown towards sonship? The Lord's return is very near, and we are clearly at the end of end times. May the Lord speak to us this matter, and speak to us really about His heart regarding this matter of us entering into sonship and how He really desires that. So that we're not you know, lukewarm and sensitive or ambivalent in any way. That we may even respond to the Lord by faith today. So that He will say to us as He said to Caleb. Because my servant, you know, he has a different spirit and he has followed me fully. And then I will bring him into this land. And then he shall inherit it. So may the Lord speak to us. Let's have a season of prayer.